In a prior podcast, we have discussed that your nose has a couple of functions that can be summarized by the term air conditioner. Your lungs work best when the air you inspire is slightly moist and roughly body temperature, whilst also being devoid of pollutants. And it is your nose that ensures the air you breathe fulfill all these parameters. Let's consider how and focus in on one specific area, blood supply. Now, first of all, large particles are removed by the hairs in your nose, while smaller particles collect on the nasal mucus secreted by the nasal lining. The nasal mucosa is populated with ciliated epithelium that forms a conveyor belt or escalator to transport nasal mucus and the entrapped gubbins to the postnasal space. From here, as grim as it sounds, you can safely swallow the pollen and dust-laden mucus into the esophagus, where it is then destroyed in the acid of your stomach. The result? The air you breathe is cleaner. More specific to this podcast, we warm inspired air by having a nose with a phenomenal blood supply. You've probably observed this in action as many people's noses turn a hue of red when cold. If you think about this, the nose is rather unique in this manner. When your hands and feet are cold, it is likely they become pale as blood is redirected to the core of your body to avoid heat loss via radiation. The nasal cavity has a different role, however. Cold temperatures cause blood vessels in the nasal cavity to vasodilate to further warm the inspired air in such conditions. Now this is also the reason your nose may run when in cold weather, as the redirected blood flow causes more mucus to be secreted. Let's focus in further on this blood supply for the remainder of this soundbite because it is clinically very relevant. Now, phenomenal blood supply is an understatement. Your nose receives blood from branches of both the external and internal carotid arteries. And in the nose, we see many of these branches coalesce to join together to form an anastomosis. Now, an anastomosis, in this context, is an area where multiple vessels join together to provide a particularly large blood supply. And you have two such anastomoses in the nose. To reiterate, we have this blood supply to warm the inspired air. Now, the first anastomosis is found either side of the central partition of the nasal cavity, which we call the nasal septum, right? At the anterior of this nasal septum, around one centimeter from where the nostril opens, we encounter Little's area, also known as Keiselbach's plexus. This double eponymously named area is named after its discoverers, and it is the most common site for a nosebleed. As many as 90% of nosebleeds originate from this area. But its location is actually a good thing as good first aid should treat most nosebleeds with ease. Squeeze in the anterior or soft part of the external nose with your head tilted forward and provide in 20 minutes of uninterrupted pressure tamponades Little's area. That failing, it is easy to visualize and therefore cauterizing the bleeding vessels is a real possibility. The medical term we use for nosebleed is epistaxis, and this has no relation to how big or small the bleed is. It's just what we call a nosebleed. Now, the second anastomosis of the nose is called Woodruff's plexus. This is found on the posterior lateral wall of the nasal cavity. Bleeding from this area is relatively rare, but often more dangerous and harder to treat due to its location deep within the nose. Okay, let's finish off with a deeper dive again, looking at the blood vessels in detail that form Little's area. And this comes up in exams from time to time. I want you to remember the mnemonic legs, which is not the easiest mnemonic to remember when talking about the nose, but it's all I have for you. Maybe you think your nose can run, therefore it has legs? I don't know, just humor me. Write down legs. Right, first L stands for labial, 
and specifically the superior labial artery, passing near your upper lip, hence labial. There are two arteries that are represented by the letter E of our mnemonic. Both are ethmoid arteries, and there is an anterior and a posterior ethmoid that contribute blood here. These arteries are formed as a branch of the ophthalmic artery, which itself comes from the internal carotid artery. And these are the only branches that come from the internal carotid blood supply. All others are distant branches of the external carotid artery. Right, back to the mnemonic and named branches. G is the greater palatine artery and runs through the palate to access the nasal septum. And finally, the S of legs is the sphenopalatine artery. Lots of potentially new names here, so let's go over it again. L is the superior labial artery. E is the anterior and posterior ethmoid arteries. G is the greater palatine artery. And S, the sphenopalatine artery. Legs contributes to Little's area. The nose has little legs. Nope, still not the easiest mnemonic to remember, but who doesn't love a trier? Okay, that is it. The blood supply to the nasal cavity. Our nose has a rich blood supply to ensure inspired air is warm, but the drawback to this is prone to bleed, which we call epistaxis. There are two common areas for the nose to bleed, and in 90% of cases, this is from Little's area on the anterior nasal septum. But occasionally, we also see bleeding from Woodruff's plexus, deep within the nose. Thanks a lot for listening. I will catch you next time on Dissectable Me. <laughs>